Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Let's talk about The Athletic, which is a must for all football fans and has loads of brilliant Burnley content. The Athletic brings you the best coverage of football, combat sports, NFL, NBA and loads more. A world-class team of football writers, including Andy Jones, who covers the Clarets, and it's completely ad-free with no ads and no annoying pop-ups. If you're not signed up to The Athletic yet, fans of Turfcast can now get 50% off the annual subscription price and a 7-day free trial. To get the deal, head to theathletic.co.uk forward slash turfcast. Good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is that you're listening to or watching uh, this latest episode of Turfcast Podcast with me, Joe Evans, as usual. I'm doing stupid things on the uh, right-hand side of your screen at the minute. Uh, and in a new hospital uh, is Simon Townley. We moved to Berlin now, haven't you, mate? Got the Clarence back in the home bland, absolutely. Uh, how is the health? So I am, mate. I'm uh, positive news. I'll be home this week by the looks of it. Happy days, happy days. So we can get get back to doing the podcast in person probably soon as well, because obviously lockdown's Hopefully, over. Yeah, really. yeah, lockdown's over, isn't it? So should be a bit of a different vibe. But we've never done actually a video podcast in in the same room. That's the point. We need to think about how we're going to do that, don't we? And it, we, uh, we, we can do got two cameras. Far. I'm sure we'll work it out. We, we've both got cameras. If not, we'll got, just scarf each other in the same room. Yeah, yeah, could do that. And I, I've got my work camera anyway, which I can always use. Um, but yeah, first things first. Um, We'll have a look back uh, to the Sheffield United game then. Obviously, we just drew 1-1. Me and you were on the watch-along as well. Um, I know um, at the end of the watch-along we did as, as full-time thoughts, which if you haven't already, subscribe to them on YouTube because I get a quick turnaround with that if I do save us all myself. Uh, I clip it up, get it out there as its own little video, like a match reaction, just three, four minutes on, on YouTube so people can see what me, Simon, and the other two watch-along people thought about, which this week and it's going to be next week as well uh, with Johnny Tate and uh, Jared Ward as well. But... I'll just let you give your thoughts on the game again, Simon. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like First half, I wasn't really sort of 
delighted and then all of a sudden we get that goal then you go in at half time and, and the second half we came out and they literally threw nothing at us for 20 minutes yeah. um they didn't even lay an hand on us did they so it did feel like two points dropped at the end but i mean in the balance of play in terms of chances created possibly it was probably a good result do you know what i mean it's uh that sheffield united did throw a lot of good chances in there at nick pope and thankfully we got away with it yeah, it's one of them that I don't disagree, and every, pretty much everyone who watched the game said that on the balance of play, 1-1's probably a fair result, but also at the same time, we could have easily and should have been 3-0 up by the time that they scored their goal, so on the other balance of play, you could easily say that Burnley deserved to win the game, and that's that's what I'm going to go with, I yeah. think we deserved to win the game, and we should have won that game. I, think, I don't disagree with your logic, I just think, like you said, they, Sheffield United fans 100% will be saying they should have been 3-0 up before we scored. Yeah, it's one of them though, isn't it? Like I say, both sides are going to say that. Um, but I, obviously, I'm not getting too deflated. Um, we conceded late on, but I, bit, I did put that big post up about how you know we shouldn't feel deflated because we've lost one game in 11 Premier League uh, games, seven points out of the last nine, 22 points out of 30. And that one game against was. City. I know, and that game were against Man City as well. I mean, admittedly, we did get battered in that game, but it's, it's one of them. You, you write off the games against Liverpool and City, I think, the, these days because they're both just so good. Um, and unfortunately, we've got Liverpool coming up soon as well. So, um, That's that, Southampton, mate. They turned it on, didn't they? Yeah, they, they did a very Burnley-esque performance, apart from the fact that, obviously, you know they managed to, to attack um, against City, which is not something that we always tend to do. But in terms of having got the goal, should I say, like they defended like Beavers, as you'd say, on Soccer Saturday. And defended I, I remember that. I yeah, they've not said it for a while, have they? No. no, defended like Beavers, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was good. But I think, it's for me, it's one of them. Like, I, I, I took a draw... I'd have took a draw at the start of play, um, so I think I'm going to happy happy with it. It's, it were about not losing mm. for us in terms of getting Europe. It's about not losing because if they'd have lost, sorry, if we'd have lost, they'd have stretched their lead too far ahead of us, and, and the season would have probably been over after that game. Whereas now, you know, if we get yeah, a result against West Ham on Wednesday, we can still overtake Sheffield United depending on what result they get this week. I just think that shambles of a performance at Bramall Lane. Yeah. I would have liked to have get the three points. I think the the Europa, I would have liked to have got the three points. And looking at the fixtures coming up, I think it's probably where we should have got three points. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, that, that, going back to that shambles at Bramall Lane, it is, it is probably the standout bad performance of the season. Obviously, Villa at home on New Year's Day would be another one. But I think I think for me, it, 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 this is what I've said about the, at the start of the season and, and stuff. And the people who used to always ask me, like, oh, how, how do you think Burnley's season has gone so far, like in February? I'd always say, well, I feel it's been, been, been a little bit stop-start. Now you can easily say it's a, been a good season, obviously, because of the run that we put together. But we, yeah, just kept games, yeah, like we just kept picking up results and then getting pegged back and putting in like, uh, uh, silly performances. Like I said, the Sheffield United game and the Villa game uh, being prime examples. But it's a shame that we didn't show this kind of form now at the start of the season because we'd probably be comfortably in the top seven, probably even six at this point. We would be a, a lot higher than Sheffield United and everyone's just raving about Sheffield United as we found out on the commentary at uh, the game at the weekend. Yeah, um, I mean, do you know what? Massive... Sort of like plus points for me. I like Wilder prior to the game. Loved him after the game because of how complimentary he were of Burnley and Dash. And do you know what? If there's two teams slogging out for the Europa thing, I couldn't. You know, I'd rather be doing it with them than than somewhat some other clubs in the Premier League. Let's put it that way. I'd rather Sheffield United get it than Everton get it. Yeah, I'd rather Sheffield United get it than. Sorry, Everton Arsenal. fan that listens. <laughs> I was thinking that. I think Owen's going to be fuming. He says he likes you as well. He's my uncle uh, as well. My, my uncle's a Scouts fan. Well, it was just like the nearest one you could compete with. That you would expect to be in that position. Put it this way: I'd rather Sheffield United get it than Arsenal. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that's a better example. Everton was probably the wrong one. I don't actually mind Everton, but I don't like the fact that 
there's other clubs around that probably get it that I think I'd rather if if we're not going to get it I'd rather Sheffield get it. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I think it's one of them where I think I think for us obviously we do want it, but looking at some of the games that we've got coming up, we're still going to play Liverpool, we're still going to play Wolves, and with the squad that we have at the minute in terms of injuries, yes, Chris Woods come back, yes, JB massive now. It was biggest squad we've had in about five games. But now. in terms of yeah, in bigger squad we've had in five, that's that don't mean a lot, does it? In terms of Burnley squad, does it? But, I mean, finally we managed to name nine substitutes rather than three or four, whatever it were, yeah. and not including the four keepers that he put on our bench at City. Tell you, mate, playing JBG <laughs> even got a run out. Good twenty seconds and a good twenty. <laughs> try and get forty seconds in there. It's one of them, though, isn't it? I think we could do four four two next time out with Chris Wood and Jay up front with Vidra coming off the bench. An impacting uh, maybe Brady even starting or or coming off the bench and having Eric Peters on the left. Um, there's going to be options finally against West Ham, but that yeah. does bring us on nicely to West Ham. Obviously, what are your thoughts on the game going forward? As I, I have spoken to a West Ham fan already, and you'll hear that in a few in a few minutes. Um, but it's a far far bigger game for them than it is for us. It is, and I can imagine they're. I mean, I've not heard the interview, but I can imagine they're quite quite confident that this is a game that they should be winning. Yeah, uh, for them at home. And in the position they're in, this is where they need the points. But like you said, they need the points. We don't. I know we want the points, but we don't need the points. So that that's a different mindset straight away before you go in. Um, secondly, you don't know what what uh, sorry what West Ham is turning up. You've got two different sides there, and uh, they put the same eleven out each week. And I think they haven't won back to back games in uh, since this season. I don't even think it's this season. It might, it might not be that. But I heard it on Sky Sports. It might be August or something. That they've not won back to back games. In however long, so you know that just proves how inconsistent they are. So you just don't know who they're going to play. Yeah, I mean, all you have to do is look at the last couple of results. Um, beat Chelsea three-two, um, and were good value for that win as well. They were um, as well, yeah. And, and then the Newcastle, right? and then the Newcastle one. Uh, in the end, a draw is a good result. But if you just look at the last two games, they've conceded four goals in the last two games. Yes, they've scored five. Obviously, they're a lot better going forward than they are defensively, but that is, for us, something we can look to exploit, their defensive line. Did you see the, the Newcastle game? They went ahead three times and conceded twice, pretty much straight after, one ninety seconds after or something, with yeah, Shelby. Yeah. yeah, yeah. obviously, it was 2-2, weren't it? So, they went ahead twice and then got played back two, pretty, so. much, pretty much straight away every single time. Yeah, I think they got played back twice and then, I was like, what the hell? They, they, can't, they couldn't hold it. They bottled it as soon as they went ahead. It's one of them, though. I think. I think it's it's about character as well, and and confidence, and and they don't at the minute. I don't the think they have, either, have they? Yeah, they don't have that you know mentality I mean? as well at the minute of of right. We're in front now. We can hold it. I think they'll have that mentality of right. Here we go again. We need to try. They're going to come at us for God's sake. And it's all a mentality thing and all negative mindset, and and they'll just go back yeah, into the you, shell. You, every club's got that sort of leader in within the ranks, and and theirs is obviously Norland with for obvious reasons. And if he ain't playing, mate. It's a deck of cards waiting to dip over at some points. But my biggest fear is, is Ben me being out at season and uh, looking like it. And if you, I don't know, like, I, I'm hoping Long's never really had that much of a chance to run into the game, to run into the season. And, like, you know, four or five games, we might see what's kept him here 10 years. And uh, no, plus whatever he's been here. He's so, been more than 10 years now, and he's due a testimonial. It is, it is. Uh, but like, like you said, like 10 years. Plus, he's here for a reason, and let's see what it is, mate. And this is his chance to shine. Because if, if you can't take these moments, mate, what are you? It's poor do really. I mean, like oh, yeah, he's the weak link at the minute for me, and he's what makes me worried. Yeah, I think every time he's on the ball, or I think like you were saying on the watch along last time, weren't you? That 
talk is probably mentally preparing to, to do 50% of his job and 100% of his own job because he knows yeah. he can't just hang his hat on him like he does with me. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just quickly touch on Kevin Long then. I mean, it's one of them that, yes, this is his chance. He has played in the side before. I remember him playing um, towards the end of the season that we qualified in season seven when we qualified for Europe because I think Tarky and um, Ben both picked up injuries towards the end of that season um, and, and he played a couple of times. It might have been the end of last season, I can't remember. I, he's never, I've never really watched him and thought, this lad's good, we can rely on this lad, this lad can defend. And again, we're watching him against West Ham and, sorry, not West Ham, Sheffield United. I remember thinking like, yeah, he is obviously the weak link now. I think he's probably lower-end championship defender at best, maybe even League One if I'm being harsh, but I, I don't necessarily look... I'm sorry, I'm not necessarily confident in the results over the next few games, especially now that Ben Mee's missing. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I 100% agree, and I think he is the weak link, but I think as a defender, I'm just this is me hoping, but as a defender, if I knew that that guy wasn't coming back and I'm not just in for a game or two, I might, be, I might not be in next game because Ben might be back. Mm. This, you know, he's throwing everything into ninety minutes and probably making mistakes because of it. Maybe he can settle down, settle in, as Bully would say, yeah. and uh, uh, move forward because he knows it's his slot now till the end of the season. Well, he came on against Palace late on, didn't he? And and he made yeah. an absolutely brilliant either a tackle or a block. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, I remember at the time thinking, hey, maybe maybe he's finally, you know, he's, he's matured because I know defenders can sometimes mature quite late on and things like that. So maybe he's, you know, he's been around Tarky, he's been around Ben Mee, he's been around Keane, he's been around all these Burnley players for the last oh, 10 years, down. like you say. He's been so around Steve Davis back in 94, <laughs> I think. <laughs> exactly. He's been there that long, yeah. The first so that's down. what I mean. Like, finally, he's, <laughs> Steve Davis Mark won it, Nancy hates it. So finally, he's learned. But, and again, against. against um, Checking out, and I think it were obvious that he, he was still getting caught out. But I mean, seem to remember when he ran on at Aki Stanley. Um, so there were certain people that we used to speak to, um, that obviously remain nameless, that was just sort of like saying that he looks at this player and don't understand how you know he plays for a club like Burnley. We'll leave that one there, Paul. But it's one of them that we a long he, time he, ago, though, to be fair. I mean, yeah, people... it was what I mean. I do think he's, he's obviously a lot better then because that, that was literally 10, 11 years ago. That was when he first came here. But um, it, 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 that's what I'm saying. It's one of them like now he should have, that's what I was saying previously, he should have matured. And you'd think yeah. being around all these defenders and being around Premier League facilities and Premier League coaches and Premier League managers, he is going to be better now, but he is probably still the weak link. Yeah, I can't see Dash putting up with someone they don't trust. So it's exactly. Like, like, put it this way. like it, it'd, have, it'd, it'd have been out on his on his ear by now if he weren't good enough. Yeah. Or if Dash didn't if think he weren't good enough, should I say, because exactly. I don't think he is. Um, all you have to do is look at Ben Gibson. I know that were a different sort of thing, like attitude and sort of like personality clashes and stuff. But all you have to do there, and that's another thing that has annoyed me a bit more recently. Not that he's done anything wrong again as Ben Gibson yeah. and stuff, but the fact that he's now not here. This could have been the perfect know, time for him to come in and be like, "There you go, Sean. That's why I shall be playing next season." No, yeah, I agree, mate, and, I, and I'm gutted for Ben because I'd like to have seen him have his moment in a Burnley shirt. And get his sort of run of games and, and fight for that shirt for next season, even and put them under some pressure because obviously, who doesn't want the, the top players performing at the top all the time? Exactly. But unfortunately, it didn't happen, and we've got to move forward from it. And this is just more proof that the, the transfer window next is ridiculously tough, it's, and it's we, need, so, we need some it's players. It's so important now. Hopefully, yeah. we don't lose anybody. If we lose people, it's going to become ridiculous. It's ridiculous as it is. If we lose Mass any of fear. the main three, Pope, Tarky or Dwight, it is literally impossible. Just off top of me, we need five players, right? Just off top of me, I'm not counting. My fear is you're going to have to sell one to budget the five. So then you're going to need seven players. 
So then, yeah, six. Well, yeah, well, seven because they're going to that big of a miss. You're going to need to bring two in just to make up for it. If you, if you, if you sell, for example, if you sell Tarkey for 30, 40 million, I don't think you just sign one central defender, do you? I think you sign two. No. No, but you're going to sign, you've got, you've got to sign that second player that's that's been at like Brentford, done well, when he's going to sit on beds like Tarkey did and, yeah. and for a year and wait his time. You can't, you, we've proven now that we're not that big of a club yet to, to, Keep someone happy that's come from a first team top end championship to from bottom end of the Premier League at the time we were trying to sign him. If you remember, mm. um, we're not that big of a club to keep these type of people happy. You are another one. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's obviously I think there'll be cases where different sort of different sort of attitudes and different sort of cases handled differently might end end up being different. Obviously, yeah. I think a talking wait, waited his time. Uh, granted, he only, he only had to wait a year to be fair, and before Keane left, whereas it were getting into the second season for Ben now. But it, you do, you do need these players. You do need a Kevin Long in your side who is happy to yeah. sit on the bench and is happy to earn a wage um, and wait his turn and, and do it that way. But you also need people that are banging on the door as well. But you need to find that right balance. And obviously, we didn't get it right. Yeah. Then. Well, so a Peacock Farrell is another example, um, and I think we need to sort of like look at that market. As well as investing in the in the first choice setup. Yeah, I think I think we're going to have to need. Yeah, definitely, we need to definitely bring in two or three first teamers. I think, or people on the fringe at least. Um, and then, yeah, you're going to need to bring in a young hungry, hungry, sorry, central defender just for when if Tarky leaves at the end of next season, um, and maybe a um, a winger as well who you know is going to be decent enough in about a season if Dwight leaves. Obviously, we've got the keeper covered. If Popey leaves next yeah. season, we need a young winger, don't we? Like you said, because Brady's probably got the, this season left. McNeil, you could probably see moving within this summer, hopefully not, but maybe next summer if not. Um, so yeah, you are right. We do need a young winger that's ready to come through, but you don't know who's in the ranks. Either. I don't have. A, I don't actually have a clue. No, well, it's a good little segue of that because the news brought today that um, the academy was actually given category one status or category A, whatever it is. I don't know what the actual terminology That's is, that, but uh, that is the highest it can be. That is literally the yeah. highest it can be. So that just goes. So they are now level with the likes of Liverpool, Manchester United, Arsenal. It, it is category one, which I believe also means that next season our under twenty threes will be in yeah. the Johnson's Pay Trophy, whatever it's called. Now, oh, it? Is. Yeah. I don't know. I do know there's a lot of other things that are benefits, and I can't list them because I don't have them to hand. But there's there's silly benefits like you get um, funding for this, you get X for that, and yeah. you um, you get to compete in the Premier League One and Premier League Two yeah. or whatever thing they are. Um, yeah, there's a lot of benefits from it, but it's something that I know the academy from from you know cutting air staff and stuff. They've been working at for more than a couple of years now. So yeah. the the reason the, the the complex was done to the level it's been done at is to, to achieve this because it brings in jobs for the town and all the way down to kids getting better development. It's a, it's a massive actual impact on the town, this. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So well done to Burnley for that. I know it's a bit of a an admin nightmare, I believe, though someone saying on Twitter today. It's not a case, it's not just you're having to have good facilities and good coaches and, 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 no, good, exactly. and good technically gifted kids in the academy. It's a lot of admin stuff getting right and that can take a couple of years, as you say, to, to get right. Um, but just before we wrap up, because I don't have to set off a work in a couple of minutes, um, I know we briefly mentioned the West Ham game and that was a bigger game for them than us, but what sort of game are you expecting and what sort of result are you expecting? Do you know what I mean? I'm expecting this to be under the cosh a little bit. Like you said, um, you know, an animal fighting for its life is a different kind of animal. And uh, 
I do expect it to be scrappy. I do expect them to come at us. Um, but I've seen it before with West Ham. And again, if it depends what side turns up, maybe because which is such a cop out answer. But like you can turn them over three nil, and you can get turned over three nil, and that's my fear. Yeah, I think I think for me, I am one hundred percent confident that West Ham will stay up um, because if you look at their fixtures, they've got Burnley at home, which they will look at and say we can win yeah, three this. Three points, yeah. There's Norwich. I don't know where I don't know where all these games are, but they've got to play Norwich, they've got to play Bournemouth, and they've got to play another team down. I think they've got to play. They've got five games left after us. They're all teams in and around them, and Man United. So they've got four games after us where they will probably win, or they'll win three of them, or whatever, or, or even if they win two of them, they're safe. I think because because of the amount of points that they've got, and and so I, I can't see West Ham. Staying uh, getting no. relegated, to be honest, they've got too many winnable fixtures, um, including them, just... they'll, they'll see that. But I, 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 the point I'm going to make is, I think that they won't be looking at Burnley and saying must win. I think they'll got their, their, they'll have their their eyes on on the games coming up, thinking they're the must win one. So maybe they might just take the foot off the gas a little bit for the Burnley game. I don't think they'll risk Haller um, because, as I said, Haller is currently sort of like rumored to be injured. I think if it, were, if it were a massive game or if we were Bournemouth or we were down there, for example, I think they'd risk him against us. But I think they might rest a couple of players, maybe, and not risk the players that might be injured and look more to these games that they've got coming up. So, I, having said that, I'm still going to do what you do and sit on the fence. Mark Howell's going to be fuming. Um, he hates it when we sit on the fence. But um, I'm, I'm going to go one one. I know I say one one pretty much every damn every damn game at the minute these away days. Game. But yeah, well, yeah, because I'd always I'd always take a point every away game. Yeah, exactly. Point, apart exactly. from maybe Norwich, um, which we're still going to play. I think. Oh, as well, I, I personally think if we want to come for Europe next season and we don't win this game it's a serious doubt for me uh, it's a massive marker in, yeah. in our season and if you are a top 7 club playing a bottom relegation 15 downwards any other top 7 club will be saying that we, 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 they will win it you put them on your bets you do everything and then unfortunately we don't really have that sort of thing so if we want to finish in the top 7 and top 8 this is the kind of game we need to sort of turn them over and say this is us So what's your score prediction then? Um, yeah, it's an hard one, you know. I'm, I'm really struggling with it, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna hope. And I'm gonna be optimistic. I'm gonna say we're doing. That's a two-one. Two-one to Clarence. I'm going one-one. Um, but thank you, Sam. And anything you want to add before I wrap up and move the podcast along? No, um, thanks for having me. And hopefully next week we can be a bit more comfortable. I am sorry I'm moving a lot, but my fucking legs are on fire. Absolutely. Uh, well, it's one of them. Like next time, you will be at hostel, so we'll definitely be at home. It's just now we've got to work out how to do the vodcasts actually together on the video. So that should be interesting. So hopefully, when you do come out um, this week, then uh, we can get that sorted pretty quick. But I look ahead now to the West Ham game with West Ham fan and um, the host of Pitch Sport uh, podcast, Pitchcast, um, Paul Schofield. Right, so now it's time to introduce Paul uh, from Pitch Sport and the host of the Pitchcast and obviously West Ham fan because we're going to do some chatting about West Ham. But thank you for coming on, Paul. Mate, thanks for having me. It's perfect. Yeah, happy days. 
Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on. Like I say, but obviously you are from Pitchport, as I, as I mentioned. Um, so I just want to chat about that first before we get into the, into the the Burnley West Ham things. Obviously, so like give obviously, I know a lot of our listeners have downloaded it. A lot of people do get in touch and say this is my team on the Pitchport app and this is my prediction on the Pitchport app. Shout out to Neil who does it every single week without fail and always messages me about it. <laughs> Uh, I always say to Neil, I said, thank you for keeping Pitchport happy for us, mate, because he's the one that's doing it for us. Uh, but to those of us that haven't downloaded, sorry, to those of them that haven't downloaded, just, just sort of like give people an insight into what Pitchport actually is. Yeah, so um, it's a fan engagement app, basically. Um, since it's, uh, what are we now, third season. Um, obviously, this one's a bit tr- trickier with the disruptions and everything else that's, that's gone on. Um, yeah, so you, it's about it's about gathering the fans' um, opinions. Like we would go, I'm a season ticket holder at West Ham. We'd go to the pub before the game. We'd talk about the team that we'd like to see. We'd talk about what result we thought we were going to get. All of that stuff, um, and all of that is genuine fan data. It's actually an opinion, right? It's yeah. a, so. The, the general thought process for us when we when we launched the app was to gather some of that data that typically would stay in the pub or on the or on the uh, the concourse and all that stuff um, and actually actually make something of it rather than it just remaining an opinion of like, my opinion with five of my mates over there and five guys over there um, so we came up with it you, you before again you pick up uh, pick your team and your formation, predict the score, tell uh, tell it where you're watching, like if you're watching it in the ground, if we're allowed, um, if you're watching it live at home, which most people now are, yeah. all, the, all the live games. Um, and obviously, as a collective group of West Ham, Burnley, whoever else it is, you, you, you get a picture as to what the team, the average team that people want to sit versus what Sean Dyche or David Moyes actually picks. Let's go with, uh, let's go start with David Moyes because he's probably a little bit more controversial. Burnley tend to, with a fit squad, you would probably you would probably see a few deviations maybe at the back, but generally the spine of the team is it kind of picks itself right and the and the way that they play. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas West Ham, it's an absolute disaster area. We've got a squad. It's a massive squad. There's loads of people who are on the fringes. We've got youngsters coming through and then they get loaned out. We've got youngsters playing in the under-23s that people think should be in the starting lineup. It's We don't play strikers when we've got fit, fit strikers. We play Antonio, just stuff like that. Um, and then after the game, when you know you've watched it, pick your man in the match, rate the manager, the performance, the atmosphere when we're at the ground and also the referee so that's uh so the ref the referee one is always quite fun nine yeah. times out of ten you'll see you'll see burnley fans up here and west Ham fans down here if yeah. there's a, a contentious issue with bar and whatever else did which you're guaranteed to get nowadays so um and that was yeah and so obviously all of that comes together so then we launched the podcast to deliver those stats back and then we got kind of we built a, a relationship, or in the process of building relationships with specific um, fan casts like yourself, mm. um, to 
for you guys to deliver those stats back as well and for you guys to get involved. Um, and I just think it was, it came out really, the, the really, the big one that really drove us to, to know that we could do this was when West Ham had Adrian and Darren Randolph vying for the, for, for the number one shirt. Yeah. And um, I'd stand on the, stand on the, uh, on the train station platform and all the guys standing around and people you don't know and, you know, it's like the, the team sheet comes out now before and the team sheet would come out and everyone would groan. And be like, oh, he's, he's picked him again. And everyone's head would go down and everyone would be talking about it on the train. So I was like, if every single person at West Ham who goes to West Ham thinks that Darren Randolph should be in the side rather than Adrian, mm. then why are we, like, how is, how's the manager not recognising that? And how's he... How's it? And it actually worked out. It, generally, the manager was about three steps behind some of the fan base. The fan base would make the selection change earlier than the than the manager did. Um, and then kind of yeah. So we just built the built the app from there. Really, um, going well. Like I say, third season um, got a lot more people involved thanks to people, thanks to you guys certainly for mm. Burnley and um, and other part uh, and other clubs. Still, still lots of lots of work to do um and then yeah building into the championship as well yeah so it's interesting yeah. though because I, I was just saying off camera weren't we like there are obviously other places where people can put their opinions across i.e obviously the main one's twitter um yeah. but i found that the people on on pitch and, and it's good to get um obviously because you tag us in the stats and stuff on social media and i follow the page anyway uh, your pages anyway so i do see that uh, the stats of other clubs come through, but it's interesting to see the stats of other clubs come through. Obviously, like, like I said, you tagged us in a post this week which said it had the Burnley stats in it and the Sheffield United stats in it and then their opinions and things like that. So it's interesting to get them because when you go on Twitter and you ask an opposition fan base for their opinion, the majority of your time you're just bombarded with grief and abuse and stuff like that. But obviously, you don't get that on pitch, do you? No, you don't. It's that, like you say, the bias comes out of it, right? Because yeah. you're actually picking it. You're not picking it because you're not saying, oh, um, like you say, if you go up against Palace, you're going to get a lot of um, a lot of opinion around Wolf Zaha and all that sort of stuff, and how and you, yeah, the football rivalry comes out. Whereas if you're just picking that team because it's the team that you want to see, and then a third party can take the bias out of it, create it, create a genuine stat from opinions of a fan base. And then come back to it and say, right, actually, yeah, fine. You're always going to have like a spectrum where you get militant fans one side and mm. like, just the guys who, the armchair fan, if you like, from the other. And that's what you want to want to try and soften those and bring it into the middle so that you get consensus effectively. Um, and yeah, like Twitter can be pretty vile when it wants to be. Oh, God. <laughs> um, Instagram's a much nicer place to exist, I think, is a general general feel. But but you do, yeah, yeah. I think the stats are there and they 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 can't they're irrefutable effectively. What what you can't you, you can't deny them because they are fan driven stats from that club. And if you set them up against the other side, like you say, if I stand in a pub with a Sheffield United fan and just before a game. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna have an honest conversation with him. I'm gonna have a biased discussion yeah. with him. Probably. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's good though. Like I said, I, I, I do enjoy using it, and um, I, I said off camera as well. Thank you to yes. out for Turfcast and stuff uh, this this year because it's no, given me a different sort of like, yeah, it's given me sort of a different like uh, aspect and, and yeah, thank you and a different sort of aspect in looking at fans' opinions and stuff and without getting like all the militants like you say and all the grief and stuff. So so if you haven't already, please go and download Pitchport. It's available on the App Store and the Google Google Play Store as well, I believe. Yeah, 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 absolutely free of charge. Uh, Free of charge, of course. I know a lot of our fans have downloaded it, but I presume there's probably still a few that haven't. Or if you're new here, then uh, we are big fans of Pitchport, um, so please go and download it now. Um, we'll move on to the football, though, because obviously that's that's the main reason why I've got you here. Obviously, we, we follow Let's you on social it. media, so I see a lot of West Ham tweets and stuff. Mainly like, oh, for God's sake, West Ham have lost again, because that's how this season's sort of gone <laughs> so far, hasn't it? Uh, but just talk to me about the season so far, then, because it's... I, I know, I, I, think, I think fans of other clubs say this every single year. West Ham... Are a, uh, have a team and a, and a fan base and a stadium that shouldn't be where they are, and obviously that's why you moved to the London Stadium to push on to be pushing for Europe and things like that. But now, where I'm sat here as a Burnley fan, pushing for Europe, yep. whereas you're sat there as a West Ham fan, sort of like this game's a lot bigger for you, isn't it? But let's just before we talk about the game, let's just talk about how many yep. seasons gone so far because I'm always surprised to see West Ham where they are. Um, yeah, I think everyone, I think everyone would say the same. To be honest, I, I mean, there's a there's a it's been a strange period of time since we moved from Upton Park. Like the identity of the club, um, yeah. A lot, a lot of people feel like the the identity was at the ground and the local area. There was a big, there's a, I mean, we were that that area, right? So since we moved from Upton Park, businesses have gone under, pubs have shut, um, and it's 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 a sad. It's it was sad and. There were a lot of promises made by our board about that move, um, and those uh, a lot of those haven't been delivered on. So we're still waiting for next level football. We're still waiting for um, Champions League and all that stuff. Um, so I think a lot of the issues that we're seeing right now stem from that move. We had two years of very negative crowd. Um, the atmosphere was pretty hostile. As soon as the team started losing, it was vile. We obviously had the well-documented um, the marches, which are ongoing. We've had another two, I think, this year. Um, there's there's a real desire along among the fans that we want to see a new board, effectively, new ownership. Yeah. Um, now, whether that comes about or not, then up for discussion whether you believe that the whole board is i mean guys everyone's got their own opinion uh the general feel is that david gold is a nice guy he's, I, I don't know if it's either he's either just before 80 or he's he's now 80 so he's quite he's it's let's know there's no spring chicken yeah. Um, David Sullivan has this kind of wheeler dealer who wants to be involved in all of the transfers that we do. Um, speaks to, well, the rumour has it, he only speaks to three agents. So you go through all of our all of our signings, they're only ever from three agents. That's interesting. Um, which you're going to limit your, your, your transfer yeah, activity, especially when you're not... He, yeah, he's been, a, he's been a football owner for years and years and years, right? He did Birmingham, what have you. Um, so having, like, I'm, I'm not one who thinks that the board should get involved in, in transfer activity. You're there to run the football club, not, yeah. uh, not for footballing matters. Um, and then we've got Karen Brady, who 
yeah, there's a lot of people who have serious opinions and, and what have you about her. So this season feels like it felt like obviously we had Pellegrini in. Um, whether people wanted to see Bilic go or not, it, I think people there was a lot of people wanting that, but there's also now a, a lot of hindsight that's being applied and thinking, well, the grass may be not always greener. Yeah. Uh, Pellegrini came in with his team, uh, put in a f- football director. Again, the transfer activity, you kind of saw Felipe Anderson come in the door, um, people like that, made some big signings, big statement signings, and they just haven't, uh, other than ECD old, I would say, we haven't really had that kind of signing that's bedded in and really changed the football team. We've had Declan Rice come through, who's obviously making a big impact. Um, so I think it's this this season was really about getting off to a good start. You know, it's like if you if you if you after five games, if you've you've not got good results in those five games, yeah. it sets the tone. The, the crowd get on your back because everyone goes to everyone goes back to football in late August with massive expectation and really like genuine excitement and it, and then it just gets smashed out of you over five games of getting beaten up yeah then you think oh it's going to be another one of those seasons and then you've got the the, the ground doesn't have that atmosphere anymore where it where you can turn a game around really um and then the players just lost confidence i think i think a lot of them didn't turn up um we got we lost games that we shouldn't have lost. We've I think I saw a stat yesterday during the game. We we are top of the league when it comes to losing or dropping points from winning positions, which I think after yesterday is now twenty four or something like that. Yeah. So so I mean if you if you concentrate in games that you're that you win that you start winning and you close them out, then we're not in this position. We're not even worried about it. We're probably talking about this game that's coming up on Wednesday and saying between you and I, saying, oh, well, it's a, it's a kind of, it's a bit of a playoff game again for, for potentially going into Europe. Um, and actually what it is now is a, it's a, it's a game that West Ham needs to win to, to stay in the league, really. Um, so, yeah, you can point the fingers at a lot of places. Fabianski's injury was huge. Yeah, we brought in Roberto, obviously, and he's just like I mean, I'm five foot seven, five foot seven and a half, and I probably could have done a better job than he did in those games. He went missing in in key moments. We conceded goals because of him, yeah, and we lost games because of him, and we went on a really bad run, a very bad part of the season. So Fabianski's injury would be a big part. Um, not having the strength in depth in certain positions. So Aaron Cresswell had a, a few very poor games, mm. um, but we don't necessarily have a, a backup left back. People would probably say Masuaku, but he's probably developed himself into a winger rather than a, a left back. So yeah, just clumsy errors that are put down to attitude, application really, without without wanting to pain the guys because since lockdown we've come back and we're we've we look a better football team all of a sudden again look like they're playing with a bit of confidence and yeah yeah um 
you beat Chelsea, obviously that that changes the changes the the atmosphere among the fans massively. Everyone's suddenly a little bit more optimistic. It's always nice to beat them. Um, and then you get a draw at St James's Park. I think everyone will always accept that that's a decent result. Um, and then yeah, thick it. The games are coming thick and fast now, right? So it's on Wednesday night with 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 you guys. Yeah, just obviously it brings it on nicely. You just mentioned the last two games there, though. Obviously, you scored three against Chelsea, then scored two against Newcastle. Yeah. So you scored five in your last two. However, you've also conceded four in your last two. And I think that uh, you mentioned Fabianski, the in- injury to him there as well. But I think this sort of thing sort of like highlights where West Ham's issues are and, and what we can look to on, on Wednesday. And as I said, Saturday then, on Wednesday to, to, to try and exploit. I think. I think, you, I think we can score against you, but I think also you'll be confident of scoring as well. So Burnley could be involved yep. in sort of like a, a high-scoring game here. But um, what, what do you feel like going ahead then, looking ahead to this game? Then do you think it's going to be sort of like um, some more issues at the back for you or, or whatever? Because I know that Hallow's injured as well. I believe he might not play on Wednesday, so that might take some yeah, sting so out of it for you guys. Yeah. So we had um, we've got Anderson and Haller as the two kind of. They're the two injuries we're carrying at the minute. Um, Hello was touch and go for the Newcastle game. Ordinarily, you'd probably have a week if, like, sit from the Newcastle game through to the next one. So yeah. I don't, I haven't really looked into whether we think he's going to be there or not. I think he might be on the bench. I don't imagine that after the game against Newcastle, I don't imagine that he'll rush him into the starting eleven. The games are coming thick and fast, and you can't. He just can't risk someone picking that injury up again or picking up another one. I think it's especially when we're scoring goals, mm. you look at it and you think, stick him on the bench. If we need to, if we need to change the way we're playing a little bit, then then he's an option, right? Obviously, we're in a similar um, position as well. With you, than you guys, you've got two big injuries, as you say, at, at the minute. That the two ones that, that you're not sort of sure in the previous game, but where we've got obviously about pretty much about six of the. Current first team is missing as well, and one of them, one of them left yeah. as well. In Jeff Hendrick, obviously not not dying down the contract as well, but uh, Brownell's coming and done well, so that one's a, a different debate. But it's it's another sort of like issue that this um, that lockdown has created, hasn't it? Because now the games are coming thick and fast, like you say, which obviously means the podcasts are coming thick and fast. So it's good for us and our listenership, but it, yeah. it, it, it's bad. It's bad for the for the for the footballers because the Burnley players are dropping like absolute flies, and as you say, you've got a couple of injuries as well. So it's sort of like another yeah. sort of like thing to deal with, isn't it? Of course it is, absolutely. I mean, and and it's when it comes into a big squad, doesn't it? You you look at you look at the Liverpool squad. You look at and also you can make five subs, I guess now, which yeah. love it or hate it or it's a bit weird. Um, but yeah, you you have to look at your bench and think, okay, what's the difference between Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea, and some of the others? Uh, and probably the rest of the league, you look through it and you say, right, we just don't have the quality sitting on the bench throughout. Everyone's got that yeah. one player who you think he's got half a chance. He, he, he can come on and change the game. But it's playing into the hands of the big football clubs who carry the Champions League squads, the Man Cities, the Man U's. Like, you look yeah, at their benches yeah. and you think, you know what, Oli Gunnar should... He can turn around and look at his bench and think, "I've got five changes there." So he can he can change up nearly half his team, his starting eleven, and bring fresh legs into a game. And whether that's to close it out or to go chasing it one way or the other, you can do it. You look at the 
you look, you, you think David Moyes turns around and he goes, I've got three, maybe two, mm. depending on depending on injuries. Um, and if you're Sean Dyche, probably at the minute, you're looking around going, I might have one. I don't have anything. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I mean, he's talked, I think I've seen a couple of his interviews um, and he was, he's obviously heard a few through lockdown and whatever, and he, there was a lot made of the the um, the contract situation at Burnley yeah. with the players that you had coming out of contract and whether they were going to extend and whatever. And obviously you didn't, I was going to ask you, kind of like, out of the players that walked out the door, which one is like? Which are the two that you think are oh, that we we really needed them to stay? Out of the two that walked out the door, I'd have said. Um, I think we, we did something on the podcast before all of this, and we would have only kept both me and Simon. Sorry, me and uh, Simon actually were different on opinions, but I would have kept Barsley, who we did keep, and Jeff yes. Hendrick. He would have ju- just kept Jeff Hendrick. Now, of the two that's left, obviously Jeff Hendrick, because Jeff Hendrick was frustrating at times, and I've said this on the podcast many times, people who listen to the podcast will know I found Jeff Hendrick frustrating, but he was so versatile, and he could play pretty much anywhere across the midfield, or even behind the strikers. So if we had injuries, which we always do in, in Robbie Brady and Jeff Hendrick, they've played barely anything all, all, all season, and last season as well. Um, so he was, good, he was good to bring in um, for injuries and stuff, no matter how frustrating he was. Having said that, Brownell has come in and stepped up and deputised brilliantly and come in for yep. Jeff Hendrick brilliantly. Um, but at the time, I would have said keep him. Maybe not so much now, but I would have preferred him to stay again for the versatility and the options. And Aaron Lennon as well, again, he didn't have many good games in a Burnley shirt. You could probably count him on one hand. However, he was always good to bring off the bench. Because of his pace, yep. he could stretch a game. So all of a sudden, we go from sitting back to him running upfield and just trying to get it up to him or him dribbling with the ball and getting his 30, 40 yards at the pitch. So for me, I'd, I'd choose them two, definitely. Okay. But it's it's um, it, it was a shame to see him, see him leave. Joe Hart, I think that's fine. I'm fine with him leaving. Uh, Lennon, I'm, I'm mainly fine with him leaving, uh, leaving should I say, but um, I would have preferred to have him as an option. Um, but I, I believe he was on, obviously, um, quite a decent wage as well, so it frees, frees stuff up as well. But... But yeah, yes. I think uh, Joe Hart, like I said, I'm, I'm not too fussed, and we have a we have a decent enough keeper in, in Pope, and obviously now you've got Bailey Peacock Farrell coming off the bench as well. Um, yep. So yeah, it, it, it we're a shame, and obviously Dash is very disappointed with the fact the way that it was handled and stuff. But it's it's one of them like we had Andy Jones from the Athletic on the podcast last week who did reveal um, that Jeff Hendrick was actually offered improved terms back in October. Now a lot of people have said the reason why he's left is because we didn't offer him improved terms and we, we in fact offered him a lesser contract. That may or may not be the case after lockdown, but we offered him improved yep. terms back in October and he turned that down. So I think I think the signs were there from the start that he didn't really want to stay for whatever reason. But hopefully yep. um, we'll get him on the podcast one day and we'll find out why. But I haven't reached well, out to him. <laughs> I haven't reached out to him yet, so don't, people don't get excited, please. But um, let's not. Um, sorry, go on. I've got some of the, I, I was just looking into like like you say some of the um, some of the selection stats and um, it's Brownhill that's come in effectively for Hendrick, yeah. is it? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean so I think in the last um, in the last round he was hundred percent of Bernie fans picked him. Yeah. So that's so I mean I mean there's not many other people that we can actually have to be fair. <laughs> sure, yeah. I was also yeah, I was looking down that and thinking, no, there's not really, is there? Like um, because Jack Scott was on the last game Pope, as well. Rodriguez, Tarkowski, Taylor, Westwood. I mean, they're, they're all picked by everybody. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Ben May, I mean, then you get the, 
the good thing about it from, from your perspective is the average ratings on the app from Burnley fans is a, a really good. Like Dice is consistently eight out of ten. Yeah. Um, the team gets consistently gets eight out of ten. It, it's in a good it, it's in a good place, right? Burnley Football Club. All the yeah, fine. You look at it and you go, it's skin. It is operating on probably the bare minimum right now, but it's like like you said off air, like just before we came on. What is it? Five seasons in the Prem. It will be next season, yeah. um, and it's going to be eight out of the last ten next season as well. Eight out of the ten, two in. Well, depending on what happens now, you've hit. You've been in the Europa League, just gone, right? Yeah. Now, whether you want, uh, uh, it'd be a quite another one. One last question for me for you would be: Would you? Are you actually happy with this run for Europa, or are you happy to come ninth? I'd be happy either way. I'd rather finish in Europa League, obviously. I don't get the fans that say, oh, let's just finish 17th every season. No, that, that, no. Sure. You, you, you want to achieve things. You want to. What's the point of being in the Premier League if you're just going to finish 17th? No, let's try and achieve things. Let's try and win a trophy. No Burnley fan has ever seen, well, obviously the, the, the older ones will, but no Burnley fan of my generation has seen us win any silverware. I, I want to see him yeah. win the League Cup. I want to see him win the FA Cup, you know, because I've never really. I want to see him win a major trophy. I want to see him play in Europe. I went to Aberdeen last time out. It was absolutely brilliant. Went with my friends, absolutely class. I loved it. The people in Aberdeen were fantastic. I think I bought yeah. about three beers all weekend because Aberdeen fans just kept buying me a beer because they saw my Burnley shirt, so they buy me a beer. It was fantastic. And I went over to Olympiacos. Not as friendly, I'll be honest. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, it was good to go out there with like thousands of Burnley fans, and obviously, I do follow England again. We're saying off air that I, that I do follow England. I like going to England away games, and it was good to do yeah. that with my club, a club that I, when I started supporting them, I don't want to get all back in my day. But when I started supporting them, they're in. Um, at, well, I'm 32 now, so when I was born, they're in Division Four. But when I really started supporting them, they're in like Division Two and, and fighting with teams like Preston, North End, and Gilligan to get promoted to Division One and stuff like that, and getting beat by Wrexham and stuff yeah. like that, and and getting beat by Grimsby's 6-5 and stuff like that. So it's, I'm, obviously I'm happy to be in the Premier League, of course I am, but we need to constantly improve and you need to constantly... What's the point in, in in being in the Premier League and not striving to achieve the best that you can achieve? I understand why fans don't want it, but I don't agree with it. Because obviously last time, as you said, it did have um, quite a detrimental effect. You mentioned it perfectly earlier about you, know, you were talking about West Ham season, the first five games... Um, it puts everyone in a bad mood and stuff like that and, and then all the fans are anxious so then the fans get on your back that's exactly what happened with us last season we started off the season really really poor because of the Europa League we were yep. losing at places like Fulham losing at newly promoted sides at the time like Wolves which in the end weren't that bad of a result but you know we, we were losing a lot of games early on which in comparison to the season before we did finish 7th we beat Chelsea on the opening day of the season at Chelsea you know the Premier League champions at the time and it just sets the tone, like you say. And the next thing you know, we're seventh, and we're beating Leicester, like to, to, to secure Europa League football with a few games left at Turf Moor. Absolutely fantastic. But, but yeah, for me, definitely, I don't see the point in I don't see the point in, in being in the Premier League if you don't want to constantly yep. drive and, and, and then push into the Europa League. For me, yeah, I think I think there's yeah, I'd agree with it. We've had a similar thing in a couple of seasons where we finished sixth, seventh, seventh probably, or we've got in one year on the fair play thing. Yeah, it, it elongates the season. Like, I mean, in a normal situation, what are we now? The f- like first week of July. Um, you're you're looking at it, and you go, if you was if you were qualified for the early stages of Europa, you'd be thinking, right, we've got two weeks until the first game. Yeah. 
and it does weigh heavily on the squad. It's absolutely. I, I, I don't think that you, you can deny that you need numbers to be to to make a tilt at that without sacrificing things like the FA Cup and the League Cup. Without like so. So yeah, I totally agree. Everyone wants their team to progress, but I would what I what from my perspective now, from a West Ham fan, is if we finish, if we stay in the league, which I'm hopeful that the last two results indicate that we've got a chance to do that. Mm. If we stay in the league, I want to see David Moyes, and this is a very unpopular opinion, right? I, and it's one that I've mulled over a lot, but I want to see David Moyes given the opportunity over a course of two seasons to put his mark on that football club. Yeah. We have West Ham have not done what Burnley have done and dedicated their time and their effort and their resource to one manager. They've thrown a few quid here and there, specifically at managers, but then given them like two marquee signings each, and they've come in. Pellegrini came in, big name, paid absolute like, vast sums of cash, but didn't do it. Didn't have the ta- didn't have the tactics. Didn't he just didn't didn't produce what everyone hoped he would. Yeah. Billich did a great job. The last season Upton Park was the best season I can remember. It was phenomenal. The atmosphere was amazing. Um, and then we've gone back to Moyes. Keep us in the league. He had January and he signed Thomas Suchek and Jared Bowen. Yeah. Who, for me right now, look like two of the best signings we've made in a long time. Mm-hmm. With Fornells as well, looks a good player. Bowen does look Just, Bowen's Bowen is direct. That's the thing. Like, you have to, he's, he's super, he's fast, he's. He, he can play in a variety of positions as well. So he's just, he looks like a good football player. Um, and we need players like that. So if that's going to be the, the, the transfer um, strategy from David Moyes, then I'll back that. And I'll give him two years to bring, a, bring footballers in who want to play for the football club. The thing about Felipe Anderson for me is that he doesn't necessarily want to play at the football club. Dimitri Payet didn't. Arn Altovic didn't. And they, they walked out their door and they did massive damage to, to the squad, the way that those two guys left the football club. Felipe Anderson could potentially do that, but he's not good enough. So you might find that he just gets moved on. Yeah. Um, we just need to go back and find an identity for our football team. And I think David Moyes might be the, might be the guy. Tactically, not the best. Not going to lie, he's not the most... A lot of people criticise his plan, the lack of a plan B. Um, but if you get to a point where our football club over the next two years goes from a relegation scrap now to next season finishing 12th, and then the season after that finishing or, or being top 10, or, or looking to be in the top 10, then you start thinking, right, we're making progress and we're making it in the right way. But what I wouldn't want to do is go, oh yeah, we've made, we've had a mediocre to, to solid season next year and then like somehow just jump into a Europa League place because I don't think our squad would be capable of putting like being able to to play that amount of games um, so yeah it's a, for me it's steady progression 
Yeah, it's interesting as well because you talked about identity there and everyone knows Burnley's identity. Everyone knows what Burnley's going to do. A lot of people will, will choose to criticise it for whatever reason. That's, that's on them. Um, but it's a lot of clubs that don't have an identity will look at clubs like Burnley and say, they won't necessarily say, I wish we had that identity. But they look at us and, and the way that we've done it and say, that, that's fantastic. They've got their identity. They've got their manager who's been here for seven years now. Longest serving manager in my lifetime, beating Stan Turner, who was about six and a half years. Um, but right. for me, stability breeds success. And all you have to do is look at look at Burnley, look at Manchester United to a lesser extent. They've stuck with Ole through a lot, through a lot. He's just sort yeah. of picking results up now. I will never understand teams um, or fans like Watford, for example, who just constantly chop and change the manager. Like, how is that ever going to work? I know Swansea did it for a few years, but they eventually fell. But they kept doing it and getting that new manager bounce. Then it fade. New manager bounce. Then it yep. So they thought that was the way to do it. But eventually, you are just going to drop out the table anyway. Correct. I mean, you look look at Bolton, look at yeah. Charlton, two really good examples, and Villa probably to an extent. You look at those football clubs and you think, right, Charlton were happily mid-table, prem type side. They were difficult to beat. They produced good players. They had a good, the good crop of players that came through that football club and were moved on. And that's the, that's not a bad business model for a football club to stay mid-table in the prem. Um, but they got they got fed up of being mid-table in the Premiership. Yeah. So they tried to change it up. And they they are now suffering the consequences of that. Charlton are hopefully going to stay in the league. Bolton's demise has been well documented. Yeah, you have to be careful what you wish for, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Look, at, I know I'm sorry, I don't like swearing on the podcast, but Blackburn's another example of that as well. But when, when Venkis came in, <laughs> when Venkis came in, the first thing they did, or one of the first things they did, was get rid of Sam Allardyce and appointed Steve yeah. Keane. Like, how can anybody? I know they're not footballing people, but even from a business point of view. How could you ever think that that was a good idea? I don't understand why some owners buy football clubs because it's not necessarily a profitable idea and yet they come in and not knowing anything about football and then making bad football decisions which are also bad business decisions. Honestly, yeah, it, it's, it, it don't, it, I don't understand it sometimes. I don't no, understand it. Not at all. Will Dyche stay? Sorry, go on. Is, he gonna, is Sean Dyche going to stay? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I'd, I've spoken to two journalists, Alex James from Lanks Live, um, Andy Jones from The Athletic. I'd be surprised if he left to 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 be unemployed. He said, "I know it's not real unemployment, you know, to 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 not be a manager." If if Palace sacked Hodgson, yep. then I'd start worrying. There's only two teams that worry me: Palace and Everton. Okay, they're the two teams that worry me because I can't see I can't see West Ham fans wanting him. You personally might, but I can't see the majority of West Ham fans wanting him, so they don't worry me. Um, the majority of Everton fans have never wanted him, but it's just one of them clubs that I look at and think, yeah, that is the next step up. That is definitely a step up from Burnley in terms of size, in terms of stability, in terms of in terms of stature and stuff, in terms of where they yeah. are in the league and things like that, or what they can achieve. West Ham fan is similar to that, in similar size to Everton to me, but again, it's just because of the, 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 the negativity that surrounds West Ham a lot and the board, I can't see him going there. Um, Palace, if they lose at Hodgson, then yeah, I will worry this. I know a few Palace fans have started saying Hodgson out. It might just be the like the militant few, like you said earlier. Um, but but if he if he leaves, I will be worried. And Villa as well recently. But if they go down, there's no yeah. chance. If they go down, which I think they will, he's not going to championship to manage Villa. No chance. No, no, I agree. I think I think the Palace thing is an interesting one. There's a case. There is a strong case there for be careful what you wish for. 
they they dodged a bullet with Frank de Boer because he did he came in and they were dire they yeah, were terrible and the board they they acted quickly and decisively and saved the saved their football club status in the Premier League I think yeah. um, now. I was talking to one of the guys at Back of the Nest, which is one of our one of our partners for Yeah, recently had them on this podcast as well. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I was invited onto his podcast. Sorry, my mistake. I was invited onto his podcast. Good, good guys actually, and they they've got mixed views about the Hodgson thing. They 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 understand that he can't be manager for more than maybe another year. Hmm. So they're. I was talking to one of them the other day, and we were talking about. A succession planning type thing. It was a guy on on their account actually. Um, I was saying what you what you would love to see potentially for Palace is for them to bring. They really want that young um, forward thinking manager next. Yeah. So the only way from the way I see it really is like leave Hodgson where he is for a year, but keep bring someone in underneath him. As, in, as his assistant, they get to know the football club culture. They understand what his his culture has been, how the players react to it, and then he can put his mark on it after. But we both came to the conclusion that it's just not how football works anymore. No. No there's no, no there's no young upcoming manager underneath. going. Yeah. I'm not going to be an assistant manager for a year. He's not going to do it. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think I think Ancelotti at Everton is enough for them. I don't think they're going to change that. Um, Dyche, I think. Sorry, Sean Dyche. Um, we would, I think. There's a lot of West Ham fans that would want to see him. Um, I am. Um, yeah, listen up. If David Moyes doesn't keep us in the Premier League, then I'd love to see um, Sean come to us. But he's not going to do that again because we're not going to be in the Prem. Yeah, he's, he's, um, I can't right. see him going to the Champions. So, even for a bigger club like the Royal West Ham. No, I don't see it. So I think. I think as long as the Burnley board, he's he's made it very clear to the Burnley board what he expects, clearly, yeah. and I don't think that's I don't think you can I don't think you, as a Burnley board member you could deny him that. So either they haven't got the they haven't got the the, the funds to pony up and take his transfer transfer activity up and yeah. up up a notch, um, and that's and that just says to to you guys as Burnley fans well. We are where we are then, and we're probably, and we probably are overachieving, and and that's we've we've got to the level, which you have to embrace, right? Yeah, definitely. If it's if it's, if it's six years between now and in in six years' time, you come between, uh, let's say ninth or eighth in the Premier League and thirteenth. If there's if there isn't the funding at the club to do it, then that's probably a successful six years, right? If we're still in the Premier League in six years' time, I'll be absolutely buzzing. I've finished 17th. I know I've, I know I've just gone about how I don't want to finish 17th every year. But if we're still in the Premier League in six years' time, I'd take 17th every single time, staying up on the final day of the season. But another point about Sean Dyche is, at Burnley, he controls everything. He he, he makes the transfers, no one puts in. Obviously, he doesn't control the, the funds that he gets. No, no manager does that. But he controls absolutely everything in terms of transfers, in terms of teams. It was even him that pushed for the new training facility, and obviously we then built this multi-million pound training facility. It's essentially now the club that Sean built, and a lot of Burnley fans always sort of like say to him, well not to him, but on, on social media and stuff, like, you won't get that anywhere else, Sean. Like, he wouldn't get it at West Ham, for example. 100% not. And he's the highest earner at Burnley Football Club as well, on £75,000 a week. 
No, no, is that no, right? play, yeah. yeah, no player earns that. I think the highest Amazing. player, the highest players, around fifty thousand, fifty-five thousand, uh, which is a staggering amount of money for us. Like I'd have never thought Burnley would be playing anything like that, anything like that yeah, when, I, yeah. when I was younger. I mean, to, to every other Premier League club, that's absolutely nothing. Like most Premier League clubs, Bournemouth, for example, have about three or four players on a whole, over hundred grand a week. Uh, yep. I think I think there's only Norwich that probably have a smaller wage bill than us. Maybe Watford, but again, probably not because that's why Andre Gray left to go and earn more money at a club like Watford. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely yes. interesting. It's interesting to get your sort of like views on Dyche and, and things like that and, and, and West Ham as well. But let's have a look at the game on Wednesday then. Uh, it's a bigger yeah, game for you than it is for us. Um, a lot of people still saying, oh, we can still get Europa League. My dad keeps texting me saying things like, oh, we need to beat West Ham now if we want to get Europa League and stuff. But it's one of them like, we yes. don't have any players. We might as well, for the first time, for the first time since lockdown against Sheffield United, we actually named a full bench. But and, and for the last few games, oh. we've had kids on the bench. We've had like two goalkeepers on the bench, and we've still not been able to name a full bench. But for the first time against Sheffield United, it shows how bad the injury crisis is. But it's one of them. Like, yes, I would want to get to Europe, but if you beat us on on Wednesday, I won't be losing any sleep over it. Sure. Yeah. I think for um, yeah on the on that basis in that case, it's like the Sheffield United game for you. I thought was one of those where it was. Don't lose it. Yeah. Because if you lost it, the, the they're, they're, been out of reach. they're done. Um, and from our perspective, that would have been ideal. Yeah. Um, as many teams as we can play now that don't have anything to play for, the better. Um, I think. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's every single it's a massive football cliche, isn't it? But every single game that West Ham played from now to the end of the season, or until they're mathematically safe as a cup final. So it's our it's it's at our place. I think we're or the team is probably benefiting from not having the crowd in, yeah, at, at so. home in these games, um, which is probably the opposite for Burnley. Yeah, I'm sure your guys will travel well, um, and it's yeah. I think it's I think it's got potential for being a really open football match. We like you say have we're conceding goals. You're not. You've had what successive? You had two one one nils, didn't you? And then a one, yeah. and then yeah. a one. Ball. Let's forget so, about the Man City game and just talk about yeah, them you, three. <laughs> you take all of those results. You can take those results out of the, out of the equation. Um, we've got we've scored goals, but we've leaked them. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It could be one of those where it's a really cagey one, or like like you just had, or it could be a, a Kevin Keegan five four. A lot depends on whether Chris Wood can make it. A lot depends yeah. on whether... Because obviously we should have been 3-0 up by the time Sheffield United scored yesterday. Obviously the time of recording, it's Monday yesterday. We should have been 3-0 yeah. up. Vidra had a chance that he should have buried, missed it, put it wide. Yeah. Dwight had a chance that he should have buried, missed it, put it wide. So if we take them chance, if we create chances, which by the looking at the stats of how good Sheffield United are defensively compared to you, we should be creating just as many chances, if not more. And if we if yes. these chances fall to Chris Wood, if he makes it, for example, then yes, we should be scoring some goals. However, on the other side of it, you're probably scoring more goals than Sheffield United at the minute. And yes. obviously, Kevin Long has now come into the side, and Kevin Long is a championship defender at best. If that, that's probably being generous. The fact that Ben Mee is missing is a massive, massive miss. Massive miss. So I think I think that's you can capitalise on that. Yeah, you can capitalise on that, definitely. Is he, is, he's definitely out, is he? He's out for the rest of the season. He's gone. Uh, as okay. is Matt Lowe so and as is Jack Cork. So there's a lot of injuries at <laughs> Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think 
it'll be interesting to see how David Moyes takes care of um, of uh, McNeil. Yeah. If he's playing, how do we get him locked up? That would be potentially down to Declan Rice. And then it's a case of like how the Burnley defence manage who potentially they'll be playing against Antonio. How you manage Antonio? Because he's a handful. He's he's big and strong. He, he's not the most cultured footballer, but he's effective. Um, so yeah, I, I think we, we if injuries injuries aside, we will try and probably be unchanged yeah. from the Newcastle Chelsea game, um, which I like. I think that's a. I think the continuity factor, the, the getting used to playing together. Yeah, yeah if if um, Bonner and Issa Diop can lock it up, then yeah. But listen, if we win, it's massive. I think if we if we get another three points, we win. We more or less guarantee our status as in the Premier League. I just we've got we after you, we've still got Norwich. Uh, Watford and Villa to play. Very winnable game. Very winnable game. You very winnable game. In the top half with them sort of games, to be fair. Well, yeah. I uh, listen. Yeah, there's, there's, it's get safe. Yeah. Our, our goal difference. I was just looking. Our goal difference is significantly better. Um, Watford and next, we've got minus eighteen, which in itself is an absolute disgrace. <laughs> yeah. But, but Watford. Have got minus twenty three, Villa minus twenty six, and Bournemouth minus twenty seven. So they always talk about that goal difference potentially yeah, being another point, right? So we need to we need to make sure that we protect that. But ultimately, just just three points, then move on to the next game. Three points, move on to the next game. Don't get beaten. That's key. Yeah. Do not lose to any three of those teams, and then and then yeah, we can start talking about how we how we look forward to next year. Yeah, well, obviously, I've been saying how, how this game is so big for you compared to us, and I, I'll still stand by that, obviously, it is. But looking yeah, at the games that you've just mentioned, there's probably bigger games coming up for you. Like, you could probably lose against us on Wednesday yep. and, and and just be like, well, that's not irrelevant, but that's that we can put get forget about that and look to these next three games. If you do not lose them three games, you probably stay up. But if, if, if you win all three of them, you definitely okay. stay up. Yes, agreed. So we've got what? Well, yeah, so we've got you on Wednesday. Then the weekend we've got Norwich away. Then we've got uh, Watford home, away at United, and then home to Villa on the last day. Yeah. So yeah, so, so even including the Burnley game there, like I hope the Burnley fans don't mind me saying this, but as West Ham fans, you'll be looking at the Burnley game and saying winnable. You'll be looking at the next game. So yeah. All, all five out of them. Sorry, four out of them five games you can look at and say winnable. If you win. You win two of them, you say. If you win three of them, you definitely say. If you win four of them, you probably go above, does not It's yeah, it's a funny one. Yeah, yeah. without a question, without the Chelsea result was was the big massive. One. Yeah, it was like the it was the beating Chelsea, taking six points off Chelsea this season was like the holy grail for West Ham fans. Yeah, it was. I mean, it changed the mindset of everyone on Twitter on like the lads that I talked to on WhatsApp and all that stuff is just gave the football club such a boost and everyone needs that. You, you have to have that in this fight for, to stay in the league. You just haven't seen any of the other teams do anything like it. So yeah. the other teams are just not producing yeah, not any good. sort of result. They haven't nicked anything. They haven't, they haven't even threatened to, right? No. So 
the hope is that they maintain that form and we get a few we get a couple of wins and and we can forget about it move on yeah well i, I remember uh, i was on um another podcast during lockdown or just before the football had restarted and we were all talking about the relegation battle and a lot of people were saying i think west ham are going to go because they look poor now yep. I, I think I think I half agreed with them, but I didn't. I've never had West Ham as one of my, my one of my three to go down. Um, but obviously, I, I agreed that you had been poor. But looking at the way you played after lockdown, and yes. the result, the four fixtures that you just mentioned out of the next five, I think you've been more than okay. Yeah. I don't even. I wouldn't. Obviously, I'd be worried if I were a West Ham fan. But I was going to say to you now, I wouldn't even worry. You're definitely going to be safe for me. I think you're definitely yeah. safe. I can't. I'm not in a situation as a fan yet where I can say that out loud. But, but <laughs> yes. yeah, I, I understand. Looking at if you're looking at another club's fixtures and the way that the teams around them are playing, it, I can understand where someone might come up with that. But but yeah, it's nothing. I mean, well, we're four points clear of the the drop now, so that's that's Aston Villa or Bournemouth having to win two matches to catch yeah, us. That's not happening. Yeah, it is. Just not sure they've. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe they can. Not one of them can beat us, but I just don't. Yeah, there is that. Much. Obviously, you're playing them, but I think Villa beat us. More into your end. Yeah, I just Villa, uh, Villa, Bournemouth, especially Bournemouth have looked absolutely, looked absolutely terrible since coming back. I did that Newcastle defeat. Just dire. Ah, terrible. Eddie Howe. Uh, I know he's done well in recent years, but uh, I think he's finally been found out. For somebody that spends yeah. so much money and, and stuff as well as Bournemouth do, because everyone knows that Bournemouth have got a lot of money. Um, I think I think he'll be leaving there in the summer. Be interesting to see what happens with him. Um, but just before we wrap up, um, let's get some score predictions. Obviously, I'll let you go first. Home win two one. Two one. I'm going to go with a draw. I think I'll always take a draw away from home. Um, I'd yeah. like to repeat what we did a couple of seasons ago. Obviously, when when it all kind of boiled over against, but all the all the negativity you were mentioning earlier, yeah, it right, was yeah, against Burnley when it all boiled over. And we were absolutely fantastic that day. Here on BT Sport. I was that again. Yeah, I watched it here. It ran BT Sport, weren't it? We, we were fantastic. Actually, Barnes was class. We've missed him massively. We really have. We have missed him massively. Um, but I'm going to go 1-1. Another 1-1. I think um, either way, I think you, you, it can go either way, should I say. I think we no one would look at that and see if West Ham win it or there's a draw or Burnley win it. No one's going to go, oh my God, they've won it. it, it it's one of them games that can go either way. So I, when a game is like that, I tend to sit on the fence a little bit. And some of the podcast listeners do give me a bit of stick. Uh, but I'm going I'm I'm to sit on the fence again and go for one-one. I think. Yeah, that's fair. I think, yeah. Um, uh, would I take another point? Yes. Yeah. We'll just call it yeah. quits now and, and both take one-one. Yeah, we'll just do it and not play. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, I, I think we're capable of winning a game. If we don't win, don't lose. That's the key. Keep the scoreboard ticking over. You know. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Course. You, yeah. you do need to do that when you're down there, especially. Yeah. Um, but uh, thank you for coming on, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure. Mate, you can, I've you know, loved it. You, you can talk, which is good for a podcast, obviously. You've given <laughs> some brilliant insight into sort of like West Ham and some of the situations going on there. So I hope, I hope the listeners have enjoyed it because I, I do like getting an insight into other clubs. I've only just recently started yeah, yeah. getting fans of other clubs on, to be fair. Uh, but it is always something I did want to do. But now I've got this new software that I'll tell you about off air. It, it makes it a yep. lot easier to do and stuff like that. So, so thank you for coming on. Thank you for giving such an insight into Mate. West Ham. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure, and yeah, hopefully we can. The two the two clubs can go on to good things next or end of this season, and then on to the next one. Yeah, definitely. Well, because of the results this season, uh, this weekend, should I say, we are now mathematically safe, so we'll be there. Fingers, I, I, I'm ninety nine percent confident that you're going to be there as well. 
there you go, mate. Nice one. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll speak to you next season, hopefully. Yeah, nice one. Thank you very much. Cheers, buddy. Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.